invite you to come into this moment, into this space, into this time at an even greater level than where you've ever been here. Father, we just want to stay before you. We have just warmed up. This has just been a warm-up, Father, because we want the fullness of your presence, God. We want the fullness of who we are in you. We want to walk into the destiny that you have laid out before us with nothing held back. We don't want to stop short. Father, we want to go the fullness of the journey. So, Lord, we just open ourselves up to you, to your plans and your purposes for our life, because you give us a promise that they're good. So, Father, help us to really grab a hold of that and believe it, because, God, you are good. So, right now, just declare, God, you are good. Oh, let me, you know, let the guys here, those who aren't here, just let them hear it, okay? Let's try that again. God, you are good. You are good. That's better. One more time. You are good. You are good. Okay, so as Pastor Dave said, we're going to talk about emotional healing and deliverance. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I went into this kicking and screaming, dragging my feet, finding every reason I could not to do it in many ways, especially at the level I am doing it now. It was one thing to be hidden away in a church. It was one thing to have your little, little, little ministry. It was a whole other thing to, to find it on some national media sites for training and to be speaking about it nationally and internationally and to be forming an international ministry team. It wasn't on my agenda. It wasn't on my radar. Well, it kind of was, but I was ignoring it because God told me years ago that this was part of the call on my life. And then I went into a time of hiding and preparation and and all that as I began to write the ministry. But I still, that dream was so far out there, that God dream. You see, a God dream you can only do if you, if you submit yourself to the Lord. If That's you let it. go of your inhibitions and your fears and your failures and the labels that you put on yourself. That's it. It's the only way you're ever going to get there. And so as Pastor Dave said, counseling is great. Counseling has its place. Counseling is a gift. But there are times that we cannot talk ourselves out of situations. There's times when when all the best advice will not get us where we need to go because we need a word from the very throne of heaven. I can sit in front of somebody, I can sit in front of Jose and tell him 50 times that he's not a blue elephant. But that doesn't necessarily change anything. But if it comes from the throne room of heaven That's once, and the Lord drops it in his spirit that he's not a blue elephant, everything changes in a moment. That's the power of the God that we serve. That is the power of the God that we serve. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so I want you to know right now that freedom is your birthright. Just say that freedom is my birthright. Freedom is my birthright. Now look at your neighbor and say freedom is your birthright too. Freedom is your birthright too. Say it once more. Freedom is my birthright. Freedom is my birthright. Freedom is your birthright. Freedom is your birthright. Now look at him and say, but are you going to receive it? Are you going to receive it? You see, John 8.36 in the Amplified reads, So if the Son makes you free, then you are unquestionably free. Oh, that's it. Isn't that good out of the Amplified? If the Son has truly made you free, then you are unquestionably free. The question is, are you walking that? Have you, do you believe it? What's holding you back? If not, what's holding you back? So let me ask you a real question right now. How many of you here are 100% free? No, but nothing holding you back. Like you're, you're free to soar. You're free to run. Every moment of every day, all that's on your mind is Jesus Christ, okay? I didn't see any hands go up. That's a good thing because otherwise we have a lot of work to do. You 
Filipino. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We we have we have okay, a lot been of in those places. Those churches. Yeah. 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 One of those other. Yeah. One of those other places. So you know the fact is what's been happening in the season. I found it interesting that Pastor Dave said that there's an increasing number in the congregation who are struggling with anxiety. You know, you're, you're feeling more shaken, and here we are over a year into this whole pandemic thing. And that is true, not just here, but in many, many places. You see, the body of Christ, not just the body of Christ, but we're going to look at the body of Christ. The body of Christ is being shaken down to its very roots, very foundation, as the Lord is asking the question, who are you going to trust in? What are you going to focus on? Or who are you going to focus on? And are you going to let me heal you? Okay. Okay. And we can look all sorts of other places for that, that fulfillment, but it will never satisfy. And so if we're looking to anything or anyone other than the Lord, we will stay in bondage. Again, freedom is our birthright. Bondage is not our birthright. Freedom is our birthright. Fear is not our birthright. Freedom is our birthright. You know, Genesis 1.27, right back at the beginning, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of likeness of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let me ask you a question. Does God battle fear? No. Does he battle insecurity? No. no Does he battle depression? No. Does he battle hopelessness? No. But whose image are we created in? Yes. That means that when any of those things come against us, it is an assignment to hold us back. With that said, there are medical conditions, yes. Okay, there are. Then we need physical healing, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. There's a chemical imbalance in the brain. We need physical healing, right? Yeah. Okay, but if there's something emotional going on, part of, part of the healing that comes with both the physical and the emotional, because they often interconnect, is understanding who we are, what our identity is, and what God says about us, and then coming into alignment with it. So if you carry the Father's DNA, if you carry the very DNA from the throne room of heaven, if you are created in the image of the Godhead, then you are created to carry peace. You're created to be whole. Freedom is your inheritance. Freedom is your destiny. Freedom is what you were created, uh, created for. Remember again, we're children of God. Just a couple, I want to make sure we well ground this in Scripture. Because one of the things with emotional healing is many ministries have not grounded it well in Scripture. So I want to make sure that we do that. Romans 8, 14. All who are led by the Spirit are what? Sons of God. Sons of God. Okay, for you ladies, you can be called a son right now. For you guys, you're the bride of Christ. So, okay, we're just going to mix and match. You know, just, just know that God's right there. Said that these days. <laughs> well, yeah, be careful there. Okay. <laughs> You know, it's hard with the front row. You know, it's just like, it's a rough front row. No, I know, I know. But, you know, it's, it's good, it's good, it's good. Um, oh my gosh, a little, quick little rabbit trail. This is your fault. It, your fault. This is your job. I'm preaching at a church, inner city church. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, it, it's actually one of my top churches that I ever got to preach at. It was a, a mainly an African-American congregation. And, and so their, you know, the culture was, and their love for the Lord was just phenomenal. But what happened is I'm speaking, and their associate pastor is sitting for Davis. Well, he's not sitting, he's up on his feet the entire time. So he's pacing back and forth. Glory, hallelujah, praise God, praise your sister. Okay, but what got me is the senior pastor is behind me. Go, glory, hallelujah, praise God. And I'm like, oh my gosh. It just 
anytime, feel free, okay? It was great. It was really great. I love their, the passion that they had, that that, that body had. And so, you know what? We'll also do that next time Dave preaches, okay? Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Back to, you know, that's freedom. That's freedom again. Freedom is your birthright. So all of us, how many of you have a birth certificate? Okay, that's good. You're all born, right? You're all alive. Okay, here in the U.S., we all have birth certificates somewhere. So you can have that sheet of paper that states who you are. You can even have something that states, here's my profession or here's all my degrees. But if we don't step into it again, we don't walk into the fullness of it. So many of us don't realize the value of birthright. And again, our birthright is freedom. But if we don't pursue the healing, we're, we'll never step into it. So in other words, we have to learn to activate it. So we have to be, come to a place where we believe in and we actually walk in the fact that it's through this birthright that we live, that we breathe, that we have our being, that we have a relationship with God. Okay? And so, you know, what? If we truly understood who we are in the Lord, if we truly understood what, who God made us to be and how he sings over us and what he decrees over us, what would change in our lives? Just shout out a couple things. What would change? Joy. Joy. We'd lose it or it would increase? We'd get a lot more. A lot more because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy is actually part of our inheritance. Part of what we're to walk in is the joy that comes from freedom that comes only from the Lord. Okay, what else would change? More peace. More peace. Because there's this biblical reference that, that we are to walk and that we are to carry peace that surpasses understanding. You are created, I am created to be, an, to be an ambassador of peace on the face of this earth. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the, the body of Christ at large right now. If we were fully walking in that DNA and that freedom of peace, what would have changed? in this past year. Nothing. What was that? We shouldn't have lost our peace. We shouldn't have lost the peace. Okay, if we, so that's the number one, we shouldn't have lost the peace. So a lot have struggled to hold, I would say everyone struggled to some degree to hold that peace. Some have held the ground, others have lost some ground, okay? But think about that. Now, if we as the body of Christ corporately had held the joy and held the peace, what would that have done to the world around us? Drawn, drawn them to the Lord. Drawn them to the Lord. Would we see, so if we held on to peace and we held on to the joy because we dealt with our own stuff and our own insecurities and our focus was right, and, and then we draw people to the Lord, what else would we, we be seeing? Transformation in our communities. Transformation, restoration, healings. Okay, we would see an explosion within the body of Christ yeah. with people coming into the kingdom because why do we carry the answer? Yeah. Why do we carry the answer? Because we carry the DNA from the from the very throne room of heaven. Why do we carry the DNA in the throne room of heaven? Because we're sons and daughters of the Most High God created in the image of God. But there's been such an assignment to erode that within us and then have us stop short of who God's created us to be. And unfortunately, it's been a very successfully executed assignment. And that we're really seeing. So again, right now is a decision time within the body of Christ. What are we doing? So when I think of this, I dream of a body of Christ. I just, I, I just sit with the Lord and I think, what would it be like if everyone who is called on the name of the Lord 
Lord to be saved really understood who they are. Yeah. What would it be like to see a body of Christ that not only are they, do they know who they are, but they're truly walking and functioning out of that identity? Because remember, there's, there's various gifts within the body of Christ that it takes all those gifts coming together to step out. This church, God has put in this church every gift that's needed to go forward with what he has called this church to do. The challenge for leadership is not everyone in the congregation is walking or stepping into that gifting that God has put on their life. So then we have others trying to cover it to make it happen. When I, when I think of the body of Christ, I, I dream of how evangelism would look if we were all healed up. Because how often do we not share who our God is or we don't share the testimony because we're too afraid of how somebody is going to respond. That's true. That's really good. Okay. Often we don't. I'm guilty. Okay. How about um, a church where hypocrisy doesn't live anymore? Where fear has fled. Where it just can't find a home. You see, it would be an army that rises up. What about intimacy of God being normal, not the exception? That's it. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. And of course, with that comes signs, wonders, and miracles flowing and the masses coming. Why would this change everything? Because it would be a church that's full of the authentic love of God. It's not full of the woundedness and the hopelessness and the despair and the pain. Doesn't say we don't deal with those things periodically because we live in a world that's full of sin, brokenness, and pain, right? So there's going to be times when it impacts us, but we know what to do and we know how to combat it. I love what Pastor Dave said earlier where he goes, we have all these shall not, shall not, shall not. Well, what about the things that we shall, we shall, we shall? Because it's the we shalls that help us step into the birthright and the fullness of who God's created yes, us it, to be. You know, John uh, 13, 34 and 35 in the Passion Translation says, So I now give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone, just say everyone, everyone, everyone will know that you are my true followers. So from here I want to shift just a little bit, and I want to talk specifically about Mashah. Just say Mashah. If you can't remember how to pronounce it, I have a group of men who just call it MASH. Okay, so Mashah is, is the technical name. Um, or if you're wondering where this name came from, it was an encounter that Laura Ronaldo's mother, Joan, had with the Lord. She was part of my core team. You may not know this. She was part of my core team as we were putting all this together. We were going to change the name of the ministry. And so she walked into one of the meetings and she just said, I had an encounter with the Lord and here's... Here's what he showed me, and there's this name, Michelle, and we're like, what on earth is that? And so that began, began a whole um, a whole time of just really looking at what this word meant. We'll get into that for a moment. But before I do that, I want to ask how many of you have no idea what emotional healing really is? Okay, how many of you have been wounded by it? Mm-hmm. By, by people practicing and saying that this is safe and this is sound. I, I ministered to a woman last week. She's put this on Facebook, so I think I'm safe to share it. Um, I was supposed to minister to her a few a number of months ago when I was out there, and she actually went AWOL. She didn't show up. And um, so I'm like, all right, whatever, I'm not gonna push. She came in this last time, and she'd been severely, severely wounded. And we all know what it's like to be severely wounded before, right? 
And so she, you know, the trust level for this type of ministry, it was not there. And and she walked in, she couldn't look at me. Um, I, I ministered to her husband. He had had a phenomenal experience. God had just come in so powerfully and other people. And um, and so she, she couldn't look at me. Well, by the time it was over, she is she was so free that she's sharing the testimony, she's sharing the level of uh, the level of vulnerability is amazing. She's somebody who, because of the level of ministry she had received, she actually ended up doing some inpatient time. And that's why I'm saying that we have to be careful, okay? When when we talk about emotional healing, when we talk about the wounding that can come, when we enter into this realm, we want to make sure that what we're doing is based on the word of God. Amen. Just because it works doesn't mean that it's right. Wow. Let me say that again. Just because wow. it works doesn't mean that it's right. And that's something that my teams hear over and over and over. But I'm training teams, equipping teams. Just because you've, you've been trained in something else and it doesn't seem to, and it works. If, if I can't line it up with scripture, we're not doing it. Okay. So that's really, really important. You know, so I walked into this whole thing, like I said, with a fair amount of kicking and screaming. Um, I had been trained in a number of ministry models that did a great deal of damage. They actually had a lot of legal lawsuits came, um, come against them. The whole, the whole arena of emotional healing began in the late 1800s, and it has had a very, very, very rough ride. Okay, partly because it didn't stay, a lot of practitioners didn't stay attuned with the word of God. All right, so so it's really that was part of the reason for kicking and screaming as God called me into this, and things uh, began to take off a different look. So with that said, I don't wanna I don't wanna bash a lot of models that are out there. I'm not going to mention any of their names right now. What I'm going to say is, whenever you're looking at something like this or whatever you hear, you want to know that it aligns with the Word of God. You want to test it. Remember, Scripture even tells us, like with prophetic words, to test. Right? The word to test. We all have the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that that also that same concept goes into other areas of our lives. Okay, I'm up here speaking today. You should be testing what I am saying back to the Word of God. Okay, when Dave's up here preaching, he wants you to test back to the Word of God. Dive in and get to know what the Word says. So, through this whole thing, um, as I began to develop this, like I said, I was trained in some other, a, a number of other models, and I was under a mandate to really take a look into this whole area. And I had two things that I had to do. Number one is I had to align it with Scripture. So truth be told, when I would write, let's say I was going to teach on anger or shame or father wounds or mother wounds or fear or insecurities or vows or judgments, whatever the topic was, those are all emotional healing topics, okay? Whenever I would go to research one of those, I would spend about four times as long researching a topic as what it would take me to write a message like what I'm doing now. Minimum. The dive had to be deep. So I had to go into the Word of God. I had to align it with Scripture. The other thing that I was asked to do, and, and I'm seeing this play out now, is I was also asked to go and take everything from a psychological standpoint. So I had to learn to speak another language. I had to sit down with psychiatrists and psychologists and counselors and, and talk to them about this stuff and learn to speak their language. Because, you see, the world is in desperate need of a church that brings the healing of, the, of the, the power of the word of God and the truth of God, okay? 
Now, a little side note, one of the things that we're starting to see some fruit from that bear out, um, there is actually a group of, of psychiatrists and psychologists, you would know a lot of their names, that's beginning to meet to take a look at how they can bring the Bible, this is exciting, the Bible back into the counseling field. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Guess what model of ministry they're looking at, one of them is looking at is with the consideration of bringing it to this think tank. It's this one because it's founded on the Word of God. It's amazing. Isn't that something? It's awesome. So it's the wholeness of the body of Christ. It's one piece. It's one little bit. So anyways, through all of this as I look at it, there's models that they ask you to bring up a memory and this, this, that, and the other thing. Um, one of the things that we do, the main thing, in fact, unashamedly, this model is based on the Word of God, the Mashah model, that type of ministry. It's based on a belief that God is alive, that He speaks, and He wants to speak to each one of us. And that we can hear, and like I mentioned, when I use Jose and the Blue Elephant as my example, it makes all the difference in the world when God drops the word right into the person. We had a man that we were ministering two months, and he uh, it was it was a group of our guys ministering to him, and, and this, what came back to me is that he was in his 50s and never heard the voice of God before, and in the moment, God dropped the seed into his heart, like you're not a blue elephant, and went straight in. He comes flying off the chair, and he says, does God speak like this all the time? An encounter with the living God can change everything. Okay, an encounter deep into that pain, deep into that moment, can change everything. Um, so what we did is we, we went into a model based on our belief system. Here's the thing. Jess and I can go through the exact same experience, exact same experience, okay? And come out having processed it two different ways. Because what it comes down to is not as much what we have encountered, but what we have come to believe as a result of that encounter. Does that make sense? Okay, so therefore it's not as important to look at what happened as it is to look at what I came to believe as a result of what happened because the way we interpreted it and what we came to believe will impact how we walk through life. Impacts if we, if we actually um, grab onto our inheritance, if we dream with God, if we trust God, if we don't trust God. If we trust others, how do we love? What's the lens through which we see? And so, one of the things that, um, one of the verses I want to go back to is Jeremiah 29, 11. And it's, you guys, most of you know this, for I know the plans and thoughts. Just say and thoughts. I love that. Because we usually just we use a translation that says, I know the plans I have. But think, think God thinks about you. Okay, so I know the plans and thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace and well-being and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. So this makes it really clear that God has plans and purposes about me. And he desires to give me a future and a hope. Then it makes sense that my plans, your plans, we need to align with him. The question becomes, how do we get there? And this is some of the basis behind the ministry. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to the world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. 
focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. I love that, and I chose that one, that, that particular translation, because we need to understand that the world's values are superficial. Okay, we carry a passport from the kingdom of heaven. Wherever we step, that land belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Uh, in the Passion Translation, it actually tells us to stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around us, but to be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. So how often do we find ourselves falling into the opinions of the culture around us? Let me, let me remove that from you guys, just the spot, because you're like, oh, I'm not going to confess to that. Okay, Jose was willing to, he shook his head. Okay, but, but how often do your neighbors fall into the belief system of the culture rather than staying with the biblical mandate? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's now we're going to go back and join Jose here. How many of us can be really vulnerable and say there are times when I know that the things that I've agreed with, when I, that I've aligned with, go against the word of God? And I've done it because it's the politically or socially correct thing to do. Okay? You're not alone. I want you to see that. It is a battle that we're fighting. And how we fight that battle goes with our relationship with God, what we believe about his word, who he says that we are. All of that comes into play. And we as a body of Christ need to learn to stand. So Paul makes it clear that there is a transformation that needs to take place. And it is through this transformation, look at this, um, it's through the renewing of the mind that we can learn what the will of God is. So we have to allow him to transform our mind. It's not just getting rid of the things, the lies that we believe, but it's, it's receiving and grabbing onto and, and sitting in and accepting who he says we are. Otherwise, it just becomes knowledge. And you see, the knowledge of God without the experience of God will always have a stop short because he is a living God. So we have to have that knowledge and we also have to have the experience. So as a body of Christ, we have to come to a place where we, have, where we feel, we think, we make decisions, we speak from that place of a heavenly mindset. So what holds us back? What holds us back from doing that? I've woven it in and out. It's been woven in and out through this whole day by the grace of God. Daniel's talked about it. Pastor Dave's talked about it. What are things that hold us back from stepping into the fullness? Thank you, fear. What else? Thoughts. Thoughts? Thoughts that what? Thoughts. I mean, I think one thought is that if we come... Or if we seek the Lord, he's not going to come. That's right. Dis disappointments. The thoughts, if I seek the Lord, if I pray into this, if I stand on this, if I believe in this, he's not going to be faithful. Anyone struggle with that? Yeah. There are times when we pray and we don't fully believe the outcome. We actually see, just to help you a little bit with this, when um, uh, Peter, when Peter's in prison, okay, James has been martyred, Peter's been, been taken captive. The church is gathering to pray. 
when the angel comes and releases Peter, he goes to the house where the saints are gathered praying, okay? In other words, the door is locked here at Bristol Hope, and he knocks on the door, and Jess goes to answer the door. And she's so shocked to see him standing there that she forgets to let him in, number one, so leaves him out in the cold. But she comes in here and she tells all of us that Peter's here, and our first thought is that it's a ghost. So scripture says, the saints had been gathering praying, but they did not believe that he was actually going to be rescued. Wow. Didn't catch that in scripture, did you? That was an aha moment the other day. I was like, wow, there are times. So what, what comes behind that? For them, it probably was because James had been martyred. Okay, that had just happened. So what was their viewpoint? They knew they needed to come together to pray. They were praying fervently, but when God moved that mountain, they weren't really expecting that mountain to be moved. Okay, so there's so often that we that we step into this, and that gets to what Jose just said, is because of the disappointments of the past that we forget to, to, uh, to step into it. Another thing is what we learn going through life. There are behavioral patterns, there are thought patterns that we have learned unintentionally and unknowingly as we journey through life because they've been modeled for us and they've just become normal, they've become standard. Or sometimes we go and we'll, we'll knowingly or unknowingly, there's a term that we use a lot, it's knowingly or unknowingly, willingly or unwillingly, okay? There are things that impact our life, for example, um, I had a very severe speech impediment as a young child. With that, they, if you guys have read my book, you see this in this. With this, they wanted to label me as being retarded. This was the 60s, that was politically correct language, okay? My mother fought for me, but there was still this time that this label that I took on as a little kid without realizing it, wow. that yep. said, can't speak, not smart, retarded, stupid, what do all those labels do? They hinder. They hold back because even though, as you can see, that speech impediment was taken care of, the labels sure. stayed yep. with me. I could step into speaking uh, at certain levels. I could do all that, but I didn't necessarily do it with freedom. It wasn't that I was afraid of how many people were in front of me. I was battling the labels that I had taken on. And until I went before the Lord and he took those off, that was the battle. It was an in-my-head battle. It was, I'm not, I, I don't have anything to offer. Why am I even doing this? I'm not good enough. Okay, I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Anyone have those I don't conversations in your heads? Yeah. It's a battle, isn't it? And you see, God wants us to get so secure in who we are in Him that those battles, they begin to get less and less and less. And we step into the wholeness. And that's part of what emotional healing is all about. Because we can give ourselves the pep talk and we can tell ourselves to, to you know, pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and you can do this. But that's very different from doing it from a place of freedom and identity. Because you've had an encounter with the living God that has set you free. That you've confessed you repented for times when you knowingly or unknowingly or willingly or unwillingly taken things up 
upon yourself, where you put those labels on, where you've walked in unforgiveness, where anger has found a home, where fear has resided. And, and you've surrendered that to the Lord, and he comes in with might and power because he says, my son, my daughter, I want you to be free. So, but when we carry all this stuff, when we pack up the fear and the failure and we carry it through life, it gets heavy, doesn't it? Because you're not created to carry it. I'm not created to carry it. It's not who the Lord created us to be. You know, um, Matthew 28, 19 tells us to go. Just say go. Go. And make disciples. Make disciples. That's really important because evangelism, we just say, okay, well, I go and I get people saved. But a disciple isn't just somebody who's saved. Yeah. A disciple is somebody who sits at the feet of the master and understands what it is to walk into their identity and their freedom and their wholeness. They learn a new way of thinking because they sit at the feet of the master teacher. So, so one of the things that you know God desires that all of us that our minds be transformed. That's part of the basis for emotional healing. It's allowing God to come. It, let me back up. It's creating a safe environment with people who know what they're doing and can keep you safe. To join hands to facilitate a conversation with the living God that brings healing, wholeness, and freedom. That can actually change the trajectory of our lives because rather than pushing against what God's called us to do, we begin to step into it. Rather than harboring anxiety, we learn how to bring in peace. We learn in that moment when that anxiety hits, I'll give you a, a little hint here, that anxiety hits. Get along with the Lord. Lord, what's going on here? Where's the root? What's causing the anxiety? I confess, Father, that I haven't looked at you. I confess that I haven't, you know, that, that my, my focus is off right now or that this is coming in the way or that this is controlling me. I'm looking at this too much. I ask your forgiveness. Heavenly Father, what truths or words of encouragement do you have for me today? You ever think about doing that when life feels overwhelming? When it feels like all hell's breaking loose, when it feels like life is out of control. What we do in a moment makes a huge decision on how we walk it out. So as the body of Christ, if we take the time to get ourselves healed up, then in those moments, it's much easier to make the transition to align with the kingdom focus. Because we don't have all the other baggage that's holding us down, that's trying to drown us. Understand, there is, right now over the United States, there has been a demonic assignment released of fear. Amen. It's doing quite well. Thank you very much. We've got to break it off. And we can look to others to break it off, but if each one of us begins to really deal with our stuff and our insecurities, we're going to see the effect of that that just begins to have a ripple effect that goes through the body of Christ and beyond. Because the world is caught in this and they're looking for an answer. And they're looking to our leaders and they're looking to vaccines and they're looking to this, that, and the other thing. Rather than saying, okay, God, what's your, what do we need to do? to come against this and bring things into submission of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But again, it starts here. It starts here. So we talked some about transformation. We're going to talk a little bit about restoration. Um, so with freedom, 
from with, since ours is our birthright is freedom, right? That means that we are also to be able to hope, to have hopes and dreams that come from the throne of heaven. We need to understand that when God downloads hopes and dreams, they usually cannot be completed in and of ourselves. There has to be a God component. If you have hopes and dreams that you feel like you can accomplish no big deal, they can be good. I'm not saying that they're not good. But they may not be the fullness of what God has for you. Okay, so we so with that comes the ability to hope and dream. Um, the book of Hosea is very interesting to study. Um, the, the short Cliff Notes version of it is it's not as much about Hosea and his life as it is about God's relationship with Israel, okay? So with that, I'm just going to pull out one verse. And it is Hosea 2.15, and it says, I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. I love the picture here because the valley is a place of pain. The valley is that place of trouble in our lives. And when released to God, it actually becomes a gateway of hope. That's good. I want you to hear there's absolutely nothing, nothing that has happened in your life that God could not redeem and restore. That's true. Nothing. And the thing is, when God comes in and redeems and restores, you don't just get what was stolen away. You also get the plunder. That is a biblical principle. God always comes in, redeems and restores and multiplies. But we have to learn how to step into it. So when we stand on the Word of God and we look, we look at these principles of transformation and restoration. So I've already mentioned about how we, if Jess and I endured the same event, we can come out of it totally different. She can come out being perfectly fine. She's processed it with the Lord. It doesn't. It, she doesn't drag it. You know, it's a, it, we're talking a traumatic event here. She doesn't drag it around life because she went. She went with the Lord. She knows who she is. She knows her identity. She can release it to Him. Me, on the other hand, I have picked up judgments and vows, and I'm angry. So, which one of us is going to move forward and have an impact for the kingdom of heaven? Jess is going to. Because she's functioning from a kingdom mindset rather than from the, the belief system or the wounding that comes from the earth. That's good. Okay? If you want an example of that, it's a little bit of a radical example, but think of Judas. Judas goes and betrays our Lord and Savior. He betrays Jesus Christ with a kiss. As that guilt, as that combination sets in, he goes and kills himself, right? Commits suicide. Peter also betrayed Jesus Christ. Actually did it three times. He denied him. And yet he was fully restored. Yeah, that's it. Why? Because one allowed the shame to condemn them. The other one allowed the shame to drive them to Jesus who brought healing and restoration. Said, Peter, how much do you love me? One killed himself. The other one becomes a major voice to be reckoned with. And and propelled the body of Christ forward into other regions. Come on. Okay, so there's a power. Peter heard he was forgiven. Judas never took time to hear that. Peter heard he was forgiven. How many things do we hold, have holding us down, because we have never heard the voice of our Savior saying that you're forgiven? That you don't have to carry this. Right, right. I died on the cross. You see, as the body of Christ, we, are, we fall short of understanding all that happened on the cross. We fall short of appropriating the fullness of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
The other thing I want to say, one additional thing about Shaw, and then I'm going to tell you some of the, a little more of the history of it. We'll, we'll keep moving on. I know it's getting late. Um, but one of the things is um, there are many ministries that believe that you have to be re-traumatized in order to be healed. I want to really state that God does not need to re-traumatize you in order to heal you. That's good. God actually will not re-traumatize you to heal you. God wants us healed and set free. That's a good word. Come on. Okay, period. That's it. That's it. He wants us healed and set free. So what happens with a, a belief-based ministry model is it gets to the root of the belief system without the person reliving the trauma. We want to draw them out of the real or perceived mindsets that were developed and bring them into a whole and healthy relationship with the Father. And that turn will in, uh, impact every single area of our life. So, okay, I mentioned Tima Shaw, or you can call it MASH if you need to. Um, yeah, the phonetic spelling out of there, up there, the short definition just means to draw. And so it literally means to draw out. Where do we see this? We see it in Exodus 2.10. This is about Moses. As a child grew, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses and said, because I drew him out of the water. Okay, in this verse, the name Moses sounds like the Hebrew word for draw out. Take a moment and consider the life of Moses. Here he is, born into a culture, born into a time in history when all the little boys are being killed, right? And what happens? Moses is hidden. He's placed in a basket in the river where he's drawn out of the water by the princess. Yes, he made mistakes. You need to hear this. He murdered. He ran for his life. He had a desert life of herding sheep. In other words, in that moment, God used his running even as a training ground for what he was going to be doing later. Even if we're stuck in a season of pain or humiliation or shame, when we allow that, when we submit that to the hands of the mighty God and we get healing, he will take that season and he will actually use it somehow to his glory. But as long as we're stuck in that season, we'll always be asking God to send somebody else. Okay. So he, Moses eventually went, he drew God's people out of Egypt, he led them through the desert for 40 years, and finally delivered them to the edge of the promised land. Whole other sermon, whole other message, we're not going to go there today. But he got them to the edge of the promised land. Another example is in 2 Samuel 22, 17 to 20, and Psalm 18, 16 to 19. And I love this, I love this. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters, he rescued me from my powerful enemies. Those who hated me were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. But the Lord supported me, and he led me to a place of safety. He rescues and delights in me. So again, we find the concept of drawing out. So that's the meaning of the word, Meshach. So God desires to save us from all our enemies, everything that holds us back, all the dead hopes, the, dream, the dead dreams, the fears, the insecurities, the pain. You name it, if it's holding you back from the Lord, he wants to set you free. That's all there is to it. He wants to be our support and bring us back to that spacious place. One thing I want to say is, um, this is another, another misnomer. You know, what happened to us happened to us. God doesn't erase the memory. Okay, the memories are going to be there. But you know what he does do? He takes the pain out. Yeah. He takes the pain away. 
A memory without the pain no longer holds us back. A memory without the pain no longer becomes our identity. It's no longer a label that we wear. A memory without the pain is just that. It's a memory. But what he does then is he holds it up to, the, to his glory and it becomes our testimony. And that changes the world around us. Okay. Now I want to switch, for the sake of time, I'm going to switch which scripture I was going to use. Let me just move things around. Um, in the New Testament, there's the account, there's the parable of the prodigal son, right? Okay. So, you guys all familiar with the prodigal son? Yes. Y'all familiar? Everyone out there? The front row, is everyone out there familiar with that? Yes. Okay. All right. So, you know that there's the younger son, right? Yes. Now, the younger son is supposed to receive an inheritance. Make sense? Okay. So, he knows this. And he's not willing to wait for that inheritance. What are some of the reasons you think that he may not want us to have waited? I want you to enter into his belief system. Just put yourself into his shoes. You're the youngest son. You know dad's got money. But you want it now. What are you possibly believing? Pleasure. Pleasure? The momentary pleasure of life. That's what Esau did. You know, when Esau sold that his, his birthright for just a, for, for a meal, basically, he sold the wholeness of his future for a momentary pleasure. And that's basically what our young prodigal was doing. What else? Impatience. Impatience. I want it now. I want it my way. Laziness. Laziness. I don't want to work for it. The world is better. The world is better. That's a big one. How many of us have inadvertently come to believe that the world is better than the fullness of what God has? All right? It's a big one. And it comes in, it slithers in, okay? It's sneaky. Um, so, okay, so he goes off and he spends all of his inheritance. Has he stepped into the destiny that his father created for him? No. No. Okay, now think about this. So he spends everything. He's feeding pigs, which for a Jewish young man would have been absolutely shameful and humiliating. And he says, you know, my father treats even the servants better than, than what I'm being treated. So I'm going to go back and ask if I can be a servant. Tell me about what he believes about his father. What did he believe about that? Holds a grudge. Holds a grudge? Not that good. I mean, he loves him. Master. That he only loves him for what he is, not what he Only loves him for what he does until it turns. What he does? Uh-huh. Okay, so dad sees the younger son coming back. Remember, the, the younger son's mindset is I'm just coming back to be a slave in the father's household because I've made too many mistakes and I've blown my inheritance. So What's the father's attitude? Kill a fat calf. Kill that fat calf. Let's have a party. Ribeye. Ribeye. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, we're going to move right on from that because we're back to food. We're back to food. Okay. Um, so he's going to have a party. He's going to throw a party for the younger son, right? Why? 
because the father refused to hold against the younger son the mistakes that he had made. Doesn't mean he got his inheritance back, but he was brought back into the family. You see, before the younger son went away, he didn't value relationship with the father. And in this moment, he's learning who Father God really is. That's so good. Okay, now let's go to the older son, because actually I think this one applies more to the body of Christ right now, or to many in the body of Christ. So we have the older son. He stays home, right? Okay, he stays home. He's worked in the field. Think of the field as the things that we do for God. Let's think about that for a moment. The field, let it represent the things that we do for God. Let the house represent the, the presence of God, being in the presence of God. So the older son is out working hard for the Lord, doing everything he knows to do, or for the Father. And he comes back, and here's a party going on. Now, as a son, he should go right into the house, right? Yeah. But what does he do? He stays outside. He stays outside. Who does he ask what's going on? A servant. As a son, we always have, or as a daughter, we have the full right and the authority to come into the father's house. That's so good. Okay, but the older son did not value the presence of the father. The older son was willing to do the works of the father. Right, right. But wasn't willing to enter into relationship or presence with the father or value the things or the people that the father valued. That's so good. Okay, so when we look at the older son, there's a lot of self-justification going on. I have, I have, I have. We all fall into that. I've done this for you, Lord. I've done this for you, Lord. Right. I've done this for you, Lord. I, 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 I. Okay, he also had judged his brother, watched the behavior, and judged his brother as not being worthy. How often do we do that? We look around and we judge those around us rather than seeing them with the Father's eyes. Yep. We see them based on the mistakes that they've made. So we stand outside the presence of the Father. You see, the older son needed healing from possibly from vows that he made that he'd never love his brother if he ever saw him. He may have made vows against his father for giving the inheritance to his brother. Another interesting thing with the older son is the older son's always received a double portion. And I did some study on that. And from what I understand, the double portion, there was one portion that was for them and the second portion was to take care of the family. Anyone who needed taken care of. Okay, because they would take over as head of the family. So if that is in fact correct according to Jewish culture, which you guys could answer better, if that is in fact correct, then he could end up caring for his younger brother later on. Wow. Okay? So, so there can be, when we look at the older son, the older son needed to get right with the father. And he needed to be looking at, at going out to the fields to work because of the relationship with the father, not working in the fields trying to get approval from the father. God's always looking for that relationship. And so I, I just wanted to bring that up because it helps when we look at where we're at, when we're talking about what to, we believe, sometimes as we're learning to do that, it can help to take a look at a scripture and say, okay, what were they coming to believe? 
and not hold it out here so far that it doesn't impact us. Because God's heart was for the older son and the younger son both to be free and come into the presence of the Father. God's heart for each one of us is to come into the presence, into his presence, into relationship. But we can only do that when we're healed up. So when we're talking about Mashah, which is what Dave asked me to talk about today, the whole concept of emotional healing and deliverance is to get the body of Christ freed up so that you can become, so I can become, the person that God has created me to be. That's good. When you come in for ministry, there is no shame, there is no condemnation, there is no, um, there's no, there's no judgment. Because the heart is always to bring you to the heart of the Father and see the transformation and the restoration so that you can become the person that God has created for you to be. It's, you know, we put a framework around it. To, I, when I teach the teams, I talk about the framework and some of the boundaries that we put in. And I use the example of a picture frame, and I'll say, you can take this picture frame, and you can have your kindergartners painting in it, right? Okay, you can, you can have, you know, the lights on the head, and the, you know, arms coming on you, whatever, you know, that, that kindergartner's masterpiece. Or you can have a Van Gogh or a Monet in it. But the frame edges it in. So we put in these, these safeguards and these boundaries, a lot of research, to make sure that it aligns with the Word of God to keep you safe. So good. To keep us safe because God wants us healed, not traumatized. And then from that, God begins to paint in that a beautiful, beautiful masterpiece that is you. In the fullness of who He's created you to be. Yes. I know it's getting late, and we did, and we did a bit of inner healing and deliverance earlier, but I just want you to do one thing for me before we before I give the mic back over to Dave. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And anything that the Lord's been pressing on you when we talked about judgments or we talked about vows or we talked about belief system, again, I just want you to hold that up before the Lord. Ask Him for freedom. Just ask him for that freedom. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to break a vow or a judgment, yes. the wording is just by the power of the true Lord Jesus, I break this. I break this off my life. Just sit with him for a moment. Now, you heard me do this earlier. I want you to ask him, if he has a word of encouragement for you or a truth he wants to share with you. And then just say, Lord, is there anything else? Now with your eyes closed, I just want to ask if there's anyone who received you saw something, you heard something, you sensed something from the Lord in that moment, truth or word of encouragement. Would any of you guys be willing to share? Is it something you could share real quick or not? If yes, come on up. If no, that's okay. Because some things are really personal and they're really private and you can't share them in this type of a setting and that's okay. Jesus. 
somebody came in for a session no, years and years ago. And um, the Lord began to speak very gently in that session, but he wasn't finished yet. And they were really struggling with how God saw them. And, you know, they didn't see themselves as being beautiful or a sweet fragrance to the Lord, their offering being sweet to the Lord. And they gave that individual an assignment, and I said, go buy a rose on the way home, and I want you to begin to journal about it. They went and they did that, they bought that rose, and they began to journal. And the Lord began to speak through them, through the beauty of the rose and the fragrance of the rose and the softness of the petals. And God just began to sink into their heart who they really were and how he sees them. We have to get rid of the garbage so that we can begin to see ourselves as God sees us. And so we can relate to him as he desires that his precious, beloved sons and daughters relate to him. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you as your children. And Father, you have asked. You want us free, God. You want us free. That's all there is. You never, ever meant for your children to be in bondage. That was never, ever part of your plan for your children to be in bondage. So right now, God, we break off those chains. We break off the chains of bondage. We break off the sins, the labels, the vows, the judgments that have held us back. We decree and declare that we want to be free, that we want to walk in the fullness of who you have created us to be. Father, we ask your forgiveness for anywhere where we held back. So, Father, show us. Show us how to step into freedom. Show us how to do that. And, Father, just help us to trust. If we need some help getting there, God, help us to trust, to walk with others, to come into the fullness. Because, God, we don't want to stop short of the race that you called us to run. You tell us to run that race with perseverance. So, God, we need a shot of Holy Spirit energy right now, along with perseverance that comes from the throne room of heaven and the, and the truth, to see the truth of our situation, to see the truth of what we believe. Because, God, when you show that to us, when you examine us, when you show us any anxious thoughts within us, it always comes with an invitation for wholeness and freedom. Because, God, that's who you are. So we reposition ourselves. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the truth of God. And Father, we want to be emotionally healed, set free, and delivered to, to become the men and women that you've called us to be. So Lord, that's our stance. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you guys are interested in Rashawn ministry, you can talk to Josh, you can talk to Laura, you can talk to myself, uh, Pastor Dave can point you in the right direction. Go to my website, ruthhendrickson.org, you'll find information there on the international team. And, Pastor Dave said I can mention the conference, we have a Cultivate Hope conference coming up, I believe it's June 4th and 5th, it's a Friday, Saturday, it is right here. Registration is open. We were not able to do it in 2020 due to some unforeseen circumstances at the last minute. So this is our 2020 do-over, and as only God can do, every single speaker is going to be here. Our worship leader did change. We are going to have the amazing Jamie Fitz and some of the Peacock team leading worship. Um, but we would love to have you come out and join us. But all in all, keep going. Keep going for who God created you to be.
It's only an invitation to get some healing and step into who God's created you to be. Okay? All right, Pastor Dave. Thank you. Let me clap it for Ruth. You know, not to, not to restate everything that Ruth has just said, but, you know, one of the things that the Lord has been speaking to me for a while is, uh, is really in the name of Yahweh, right? He's the God that was and is and is to come. Many of us, when we come to faith, we adopt this concept that God is in my present, right? He's God of now. He's, given, he's brought forth salvation with me now. We also envision him as like the God of who will be, the one who is coming, right? Return the end of the age. But really, for us to really be stepping into what the Lord has called us to, into His likeness, into His image, we really need to adopt this understanding that He also is the God that was. That's good. And He was there when things happened to you. And He was there when you were a child. And he was there in that little time. When we come to faith, it's very important not to relive all that trauma that saying that we have to invite him back into that space. See, no matter what was going on, you were brought beside me. He wants to go and not just heal your present, but heal your past. Amen. So why don't we uh, why don't we just stand? Dana will lead us into some time of reflection. Uh, we won't like officially close out just why don't we just be in his presence and when you feel a release, you can go. Have a wonderful week. We will be here for prayer on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And of course, we have our cafe next door. So please join us there. So like I said, we won't have an official ending. Just let's be mindful of those that are staying in, in this sanctuary. If there's any talk or anything, please just go to the lobby or over to the multi-purpose room. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.